This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Welcome back, ladies and germs. I'm Professor America Street, a.k.a. the hip-hop prof, the empirical pimp. I'm legit with the logit, the militant poet, so act like you know it. This is Marketing Matters on Sirius XM's Business Radio Channel 132. They call me the hip-hop prof. ABCD is the mantra. I say it in my class like a broken record. Always be collecting data. In your marketing, always be closing. If you can't do that, Hit the bricks, pal, and beat it because you are going out. Remember, you have to use a systematic process of segmentation, targeting, positioning, and messaging. We call this STPM, and you have to use science and data to help inform this process. Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey. I am your host, America Sweet, a.k.a. the Morpheus of Marketing. Always taking that red pill and going down the rabbit hole we call branding. I'm happy to welcome our next guest to the program, a friend of the program. This is Brad Grossman, founder and CEO of Zeitguide. Welcome to the program, sir. Great to be back, America. I'm super excited because every single time you come on the program, you always enlighten us. Myself and the listeners, you tell us like what we need to pay attention to. You give us the important, non-obvious insights that you and your team are collectively analyzing in the Zeitguide. You are CEO of the company. You are also one of the gurus who are spreading the word. You teach this as a class, yes? Yes. Uh, well, as you know, I have a quarterly publication mm-hmm. that people always get on our website, Zeitguide.com. You know, I have to build my brand and market myself, too. Of you course. Me that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, every week I have what we call culture class where I go on a Zoom video conference. Nice. And people join a class every week where I tell them the top 50 things of the week that I think are really relevant that oh, wow. you really need to understand no and kidding. follow the narrative on. And, and uh, just to, yeah, and basically people love it because it saves them time and it gets them to think for an hour without being inundated with information. That's very, very cool. And so how do how do how do we access this, Brad? Tell us about this. When does this happen? Yeah. It happens it happens once a month or once a once a week? It's once a week. Wow. And it's a monthly class. Okay. Yeah. Wow. You've yeah. got fifty things Thank to you. tell me every week, Brad. Oh my God. That's incredible. Yes. Yes. We should do one one week. I would look through every single one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would uh uh-huh. Yeah, you got it. No, I was just going to say, I would love to do that, actually, Brad, because I'm, I've just started teaching right now. I'm teaching in an executive course uh, with uh, uh, executive MBAs, and we're, tr- you know, we're grappling with this notion of consumer decision-making. Like, having that cultural nuance, you know, and to be able to tap into that would be very cool. I would love to talk after our segment uh, how we might actually try to make that happen. Great. Well, you can sign up on ZeitGuide.com. And the other part about it is that you're part of a class of industry leaders from all different professions and verticals. Gotcha. So Very, somebody uh-huh. that, yeah, somebody that invests in Africa. Right, mm-hmm. he's on the same call with the uh, wow. marketing at Showtime. That's very, very cool. I love that idea, yeah. uh, Brad. Very, yeah. very cool stuff. But I want to dive into this because the Zeitgeist. Right. It, it, let's talk about. You got to tell me fifty things, man. You've set the expectation <laughs> now, <laughs> so we've got twenty-five minutes. We got to just like kill this thing and like create the knowledge and just give it to the people. Where do you want to start? All right, there's two things. There's two things. 
All right. Well, first of all, I just want to tell everybody my process of bringing in all this information, curating, and we call fine filter focus. So me and my team, or my team and I, all day long are scouring the world of media and ideas and conversations, and uh, we're curating and filtering it mm-hmm. so that we can tell our audience and our clients, mm-hmm. readers of Zeitgeist and Culture Class, the heartbeat of what matters. So that's mm-hmm. focus, fine filter focus. Mm-hmm. The next step of what we do is that we categorize all these ideas into four big buckets. Okay. And I feel that anybody who is a cultural leader that's not a thought leader, somebody who actually changes culture, mm. a.k.a. marketers, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they need to be very, very well aware of these four big categories and what's happening in them, which is global and societal issues, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the second one is technology, emerging technology, mm-hmm. and what that means for business and society. Mm-hmm. The third one is consumer trends and how quickly they are moving mm-hmm. and how hard it is to keep up, which you talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is workplace trends mm-hmm. and what's happening in the workplace, which is I call it the consumerization of the workplace Interesting. is what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you have people who are working for your company, whether it's a startup or a legacy company, right? Mm-hmm. And your employees are spending their days pressing a button and getting a meal delivered in 10 minutes mm. or getting a car to pick them up mm-hmm. or buying something oh. online in 30 seconds. Right. And then they go into the workplace and their offices, and, mm-hmm. it, and it takes six months to close a deal. <laughs> it's just not consistent That's interesting. with the speed of the outside world. Mm-hmm. So how do you think of your employees as consumers, mm-hmm. and how do you That's change the way you do business internally in the same way that people act as consumers? And that other part is information. Mm-hmm. Right? Like How do you get information and engage with media on the outside to be the same way that you're engaging with media in the inside. Wow. The I, information I, on the inside. I love that insight, Brad. That is fantastic. Let's walk through some of these. Let's let's step back because you've given us a lot to chew on. Four buckets uh, as you... Uh, yeah, <laughs> but that's the zeitgeist. That's, that's the zeitgeist. The zeitgeist. It's, it's huge. I mean, it's it's really... Not, and so, how long ago did you start the zeitgeist? Uh, well, I st- well, the company's called Zeitgeist, Guide to the Zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know this, but it's okay because we're in the age and my company is all about helping people be better than they are today by mm-hmm. knowing things mm-hmm. and being okay of not knowing what mm-hmm. they don't already know. And zeitgeist is actually a German word that mm-hmm. means spirit of the time. Spirit of the so time. The zeitgeist, I'm guiding you through the spirit of the time. So oh. uh, I started this company, and I don't know if you knew this, Americus, but I started this company about 10 years ago. After I had this crazy job, it was mm-hmm. like a dream job, okay. uh, where I was doing this personally to Brian Grazer, the movie producer. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So he called me his cultural attache, uh, which is hilarious. Uh-huh. And my job was to keep him culturally relevant and creatively Interesting. prolific. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then uh, in 2008, when I moved on from that job, mm-hmm. uh, I created Zeitguide, which was to do it what I was doing for him at scale. Gotcha. You know, so how do I mm-hmm. how do I keep an audience, mainly creative people, 
creative business leaders. Mm-hmm. And I think every business leader has to be creative today. Because mm-hmm. We don't know what's happening in the world and mm-hmm. where it's going mm-hmm. uh, and, and helping them stay culturally relevant so that they could be most informed for their future vision. Very, very cool. And one could easily understand how Brian uh, Grazer needed that as kind of a, a set of inputs, uh, Brad, to be able yeah. to make sure that the, that creative product, that entertainment product was on point, right? Absolutely. And, then, and it, resonates with a mass audience. And resonates with a mass audience. And then you said, I because I am the cultural guru, the creative guru, the cultural attache, as you said, you said I there's there is an opportunity here to like reach more people at mass. And then that's when you created this analysis of the spirit of the times. And that was ten years ago. Right, which is interesting. You're touching upon something that I've been thinking about as we approach twenty twenty and I'm trying to figure out what is Zeitgeist's twenty twenty vision. Mm-hmm. Uh ha ha ha, winky face. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I started my company in the Zeitgeist. Right. Mm-hmm. Of the financial crisis. Right. 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 And, and so that was a huge disruptor to business and society. Um, but then what happened after that, and I have a whole reasoning behind that, but we don't have to talk about it now, mm, okay. is that all mm-hmm. the startups kept emerging. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so all these companies, legacy companies, look themselves in the mirror and they're like, what is happening? Like all these companies are eating at our bottom line and it seems like we need to change our business so that's where i stepped in where i could work with leaders in all different industries and help them understand and focus on the huge tectonic shifts that were happening so that they can be Mm. culturally aware Mm -hmm. and therefore responsive Mm -hmm. and i would say now so I was working through the age of disruption innovation. Mm-hmm. That's where Zeitgeist was. Mm-hmm. Now I believe we're entering the age of transformation. Okay. Like if you don't know you've been disrupted and you have to innovate by now, you might as well just shut your doors. <laughs> uh, so, so and and we really do know what's happening. I mean, it's really important. That's why I have a job and why people engage with our content mm-hmm. to know what's happening in real time. Like you know, first there was. Twitter, and then there was Facebook, and then there was Instagram, and now there's TikTok. Mm. And moving forward, we're going to have SWAT and IRL. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand, uh, you know, all the, you know, the rapid pace changes that you need to, like, respond to. But we all know that what the big picture is, mm-hmm. and that's about understanding that the world on a global geopolitical level is changing so quickly. I mean, here in America, we have a president that changes everything within a tweet every day. <laughs> this right? is true, yes. Number two, uh-huh. like technology is moving faster and faster and faster. It's like today, America uh, is probably the slowest time in history moving mm. forward, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, right, so, right. So you have to be aware of that. You have to be aware that like today's consumer is going to be a different consumer in a minute. And you have to understand that the workplace is evolving, and it's also – I call it workplace er evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, R, because we're, in, we're experiencing a revolution in the workplace. Mm-hmm. E, we've been experiencing evolution. We've been experiencing an evolution with ping pong tables and open space mm-hmm. and talking about inclusion and all this stuff. But now what I've been seeing in the last year is that we actually are embarking in a revolution. Workers are protesting, like Google, right. 
20,000 people were dead. Right. So, I mean, those are the things that you have to kind of keep up with. But the big picture is that, you know, you really have to understand that you have to transform your business. Mm -hmm. And I would say Disney and Bob Iger, what he's doing right now, I mean, that's the best example. Mm. Obviously, we have a million other streamers, which is one of the things I know you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now it's kind of like we're in the transformation stage. We know we've been disrupted by Netflix. We know people are not going to the movie theater, except if you're Disney, they're going to watch our movies, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, right, it's right. time to roll up our sleeves mm-hmm. to build a very successful OTT platform. We're going to do everything in our power, mm-hmm. heads down, to make it happen. Very, very cool stuff. I wanted to jump back to something you mentioned earlier, Brad, this notion, because my head is exploding uh, I am a, a, a you know, always. Can you imagine what mine does. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're taking in this information and actually distilling it and actually processing it and helping us uh, understand it better. But I want to go back to these platforms, these newer platforms, and this. You mentioned TikTok, and uh, I had yeah. a friend. I had a friend on Facebook boasting that this is his new thing. This guy's probably in mid forties, and he's like boasting like this is the neatest thing I've ever done. And I just posted something that got like you know hundreds of thousands of looks or whatever. Talk a little about these new platforms. And but here's the thing though, Brad, tell us a little bit about what what should brands be doing now? How do they should 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 it always be like you jump in because that's the hot thing, or like how do I make a decision about you know what I'm going to pass on the TikTok uh, bandwagon? Like how does that pro- t- help us understand? how marketers should be thinking through these yeah. different, this proliferation of these different potential messaging opportunities. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that consumers are really, really fickle, mm-hmm. especially if you're young. And I don't know why people, you know, think that's a new thing. I mean, like when I was a kid in first grade, I was into stickers and <laughs> then I was into cabbage patch kids. Uh-huh. And then I was wearing guest jeans. Uh-huh. Um, I'm 44. So uh-huh. I'm a kid of the 80s. Uh, uh-huh. Absolutely. I then, hear you. And, I hear you. And then I, and then I was into garbage pail kids. Remember those? Yes. I don't know if you're in the, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally, totally. And there was some of those like stickers where they made fun of them. You know, so I mean, young people always, jumped onto new trends right mm-hmm. but the only the, the difference now is that these are media platforms it's not mm. a product it's a platform and mm-hmm. a platform is a new type of economy now right oh, interesting, i mean right? i would say before before the digital revolution and what we have now it was a pipeline company right you mm. produced a movie you produced a shirt you produced a product you produced a garbage pail kid and it's like one product and you sell it and either it works or it doesn't work. Uh, and that's that mm. type of business. Now you're on a platform mm-hmm. where the commerce and the experiences actually happen inside a huge ecosystem, mm-hmm. whether it's Uber, Airbnb or Amazon, mm-hmm. right, or YouTube, mm-hmm. where there is a, an exchange of value, a marketplace between consumers and producers and the, and the marketplace, unless you're Amazon. <laughs> has nothing to do with it, right? right. They're, mm-hmm. they're just making off of the, like, the... So, you know, the thing that's really challenging right now, as you know, and in, in what you do and in advertising and marketing, is that it all depends if the people are on the platform. Mm. And if they are on the platform, you can sell anything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, marketers really need to chase the people going on the platform and what Mm -hmm. platform that is Mm -hmm. and 
I mean, I, I'm glad that I'm not a media buyer. I mean, it's, just, <laughs> it's exhausting, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Right? I, I personally, I'm just going to say this. I hate social media. And by the way, I was talking about the digital paradox, which is what I'm calling like the, the negative effect mm-hmm. of technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been saying that for years, and I've been like the Luddite. Well played. Yeah, it's just that it's, it's exhausting for marketers. But I have to say, like, you know, I mean, look at the NFL today that just made a deal with TikTok. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's you got to be where your consumers are and then just keep chasing them. Interesting. Or create your own platform and hopefully you'll be TikTok, mm-hmm. which is like what ByteDance did. Mm-hmm. You know, bought a created TikTok. They bought musically. You know, it's a. Uh, you know, how do you, or you're a platform and you just, I mean, the cool thing about Facebook, I mean, you know, whether, you know, you, whether you're, you know, uh, Warren or Elizabeth Warren or not, is that, <laughs> you know, Facebook is like a platform that has a lot of platforms in it. You mm-hmm, know, they mm-hmm. have WhatsApp and they have Instagram and they have Facebook. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, there could be deals with these big platforms where you could go across, you know, platforms. So if you now I'm being like pretty theoretical. So uh, if you have marketing dollars, you know, right. and they own like a lot of platforms, then you know it'll be easier for you to keep track. But the answer to your question is yes, it's hard now, and you have to keep track of it. Very, very interesting. Listeners, if you're just joining us, we are speaking with Brad Grossman, founder and CEO of Zeitguide. And Brad founded the company ten years ago, and over that time, he's built a unique. Think, do tank, focused on the leading edge issues changing our culture and therefore our global businesses. Brad heads client teams that guide top executives in nearly every industry vertical, media and entertainment, consumer products, finance, technology, advertising, healthcare, art and fashion, leading Fortune 100 global enterprises, nonprofits and emerging startups. He is speaking with us about the cultural trends that we need to pay attention to. If you want to join this conversation, you can do so at one 844 Wharton. That's one 4-2-7-8-6-6. Now, I want to go back to the digital paradox, uh, Brad. Talk a little bit about this and how this plays into kind of how marketers should sort of regulate themselves a little bit in this context. And, like, what are the, the big lessons and what are the big cautionary tales that come out of this uh, aspect that you've been paying attention to for a long time? Uh, the impact of digital technology and social media uh, on society mm. is a huge passion of mine. Interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, of trying to mental health uh-huh. and uh, digital technology uh-huh. uh, is uh, an area that's very important to me, and mm-hmm. I hope that I can contribute to mm-hmm. uh, focusing on that. But the digital paradox, basically, to define it, is that you know a few years ago, you know whether you were the CEO of a legacy company, you were really excited about digital, right? And mm-hmm. you realize that. For those of for those who really understood what digital was, uh, it's a tool to make things better, faster, more convenient mm-hmm. for you and the customer. Um, but on the flip side, we didn't realize what it actually was doing to our habits and our psyches. And now we are seeing the deleterious effect mm. of digital on you know, society. Mm-hmm. I mean, teenagers who are addicted to their phones mm. doing TikTok and oh. Snapchat, highest, highest, and Instagram, and highest suicide rates ever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And uh, it's funny, I was just in East Africa, I was in Kenya, mm. and there was a whole, uh, you know, there was a, there's a big movement there of like how Instagram there is really affecting mental health there as well. Mm. And, uh, you know, that this is interesting. I think it was it yesterday that Facebook came out and they're deleting the like button and Instagram, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we're realizing how troubling it is. Uh, I think 21% of girls uh, have been bullied hmm. in the United States through oh, wow. technology. Wow. So it, it's a problem. And then on the uh, more adult stages, there's, you know, a lot of my clients are the heads of human resources, mm-hmm. chief human resource officers. Mm-hmm. And they, I think 95% of them, according to one study that I read, you know, say that people leave their jobs uh, because of burnout. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, it's the always-on culture that mm. is really uh, mm-hmm. is really uh, impacted us. I think that's super. So, I think that's super interesting, Brad, because it also dovetails very nicely with what you were describing earlier in terms of the workplace trends. And I want to sort of yeah. circle back to that because I, I find that incredibly fascinating and very insightful this what you referred to as the consumerization of the workplace can you mm-hmm. can you tech, talk us through a little bit of how you would help a company let's let's say you you're working with a company you and your team to help them refine and sort of modify their organizational culture to be able to be more uh, synchronous and in alignment with some of those expectations that you were saying were external expectations that are now being brought inside the four walls and the building of the workplace. Can you talk a little about how you would help a, a, help create an organizational culture that could thrive given these changing consumer trends and consumerization of the workplace ideas? Well, in terms of me understanding marketing, the first thing I would say is that they should, learning and development executives should bring Zeitgeist culture class. (laughs) They should understand how to be relevant so that they can stay up to speed on the chaos. But what you're saying is a really interesting question because, you know, there are a lot of companies that are thinking about this, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And they are breaking down walls and they are creating community within the the workplace. Mm -hmm. They are allowing for flexibility. Uh, You know, they're, they're getting there. We're seeing companies. I mean, I think, I mean, I know uh, the last fortune 500 company to do this actually, you know, appointed uh, a woman board member. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there are companies that are listening, but what you really have to do is listen and observe who's being praised on the outside world. And like, what are some of the best practices Mm -hmm. that are making particular companies relevant? Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, health and wellness, Mm. you know, uh, you know, a lot of companies are getting into the space. Uh, there's a, a company called Delos that's a, you know, architecture and design firm that has, Seven areas of creating a healthy workspace. Oh, interesting. Uh, like clean air, clean water, light, uh, nourishment, healthy food, like having a, you know, almond butter and apples, uh, comfort, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, mindfulness exercises. I might have missed one or whatever. Uh-huh. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, right. it's, it's you know, it, people, the, the walls are so transparent about what's happening inside the walls. Is that, you know, uh, 
uh, that if you're not doing something that zeitgeisty or or not where the employees aren't happy, everybody's going to know about it. Uh-huh. Last door, there's social media. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part of it is that I, you know, even this is a new thing that's happening in in workplace culture uh, that I think is really important. Mm-hmm. And Jamie Dimon of you know the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase mm-hmm. uh, talked about this a couple weeks ago about you know, how corporations have to be, you know, not serving their shareholders, but their stakeholders, right? Mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. You know, it's like we live in an employee and consumer first uh, world right now. And it's because if your employees aren't happy, mm-hmm. then they're not going to be, you know, serving their customers, mm-hmm. right? And if their customers are happy, then the investors wouldn't be happy. But it used to be investors first, consumers mm-hmm. second, and job and shove it so uh i so a new thing that's happening is that since you know our we understand or think that our government and politics really aren't uh doing anything to help society and you know focus on global issues you're seeing you know the whole wokevertising trend that companies (laughs) Uh are are are, Mm -hmm. you know contributing brands and companies are mm-hmm. contributing to the conversation about what's happening in geopolitics and climate change mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, the outside world. Mm-hmm. And so I think people just need to be educated, mm-hmm. uh, and talk about the issues like, okay, look what's happening with climate change. We have a woman in Greta, Th- a young woman in Greta Thunberg who's taking a sailboat across the Atlantic Ocean mm-hmm. to talk about climate change at the UN meeting in a couple weeks. Like, wow, that's really significant. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for my brand? Are we making things with unsustainable materials? Mm. Are consumers going to eventually get mad? So it's like you have to stay abreast. Uh, gun control, like Walmart saying mm-hmm. they're not going to be uh, selling guns. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's companies now have a responsibility. In fact, Edelman did a survey uh, where they interviewed a bunch of employees and 76% of them believe that their CEO should be in charge or helping make the world a better place. Oh, wow. 76%. Yeah. That's very interesting. I want to touch on that a little bit, yeah. Brad, because you made a very interesting point. The examples that you brought up, which was uh, the example of Walmart uh, yeah. and the guns, and the all, the other example of you know any company that has uh, product uh, packaging uh, issues and sustainability in the environment. Th- those are examples, yeah. interesting examples, Brad, because those are examples where the product itself is actually more directly tied to the issue. What are your thoughts on the situation where the product, the organization, the service, the brand is not necessarily, their business model is not necessarily directly uh, affected by some loftier set of beliefs or values associated with an issue and whether or not they should start trying to build that into part of their brand or stay away from it? What are your thoughts? It's a great question. And I'm not sure I have the complete answer because I'm thinking about it a lot. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. It depends on who your audience is. I think it depends on two things. What is your collective belief system? And it's also dependent on who your audience is. Mm -hmm. Like Nike you know, with a Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. like that, that particular example is that, uh, 
you know, they knew that they had the potential to alienate a lot of their customers, Mm -hmm. but they knew that this would resonate with core customers. They're Mm -hmm. super consumers, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. your top 10 consumers who probably uh, bring in 60% of your revenue. Uh, so, you know, so when you're talking about issues, you definitely, definitely look at your consumers, but I highly recommend this. And I'm going to give a shout to my friend, Nick Thompson, who's the editor in chief of Wired magazine. Mm -hmm. There is uh, a profile or an expose. Let's say, you know, a lot of journalists, you know, in this world of no one reads, (laughs) (laughs) there aren't as many exposes, but there's an amazing one in Google about Google which talked about how, you know, there's a lot of division there, especially between Hmm. conservative executives and progressive executives. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole freedom of speech debate that's happening inside. Mm -hmm. And there's so many initiatives. Like, for example, there's a project that got killed called uh, Project Dragonfly, which Mm -hmm. was an initiative where Google was going to work with the Chinese government to create an uncensored Internet. Right. Mm -hmm. Where Google's main mission was don't be evil. Right. And (laughs) uh, the Internet is supposed to be open to all. Right. And Google was also doing another project. I think it was called Project Maven. Right. Mm -hmm. Where uh, they were going to do an AI initiative with the State Department. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. So or Defense Department. Mm -hmm. One of the departments. Of the administration. <laughs> right, and right, right, right. Like, I mean, what what does that mean for people who are going to a place to work that they believe have their a set of values that match their purpose? Mm-hmm. And, you know, purpose is a big like a trend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 complicated. I think it's super interesting though because you're touching upon a point that is absolutely critical, Brad. And you you mentioned this. You said that. If, you know, the focus on redirecting the direction of priority from shareholders to employees to stakeholders to shareholders is huge here. And the idea that you've got to get people bought in inside the building, the four walls of the building, and align with those values and belief systems so that they can feel they can feel like they are thriving as human organisms uh, to be able to serve those customers in, in a very powerful way that can really facilitate the ability of those companies to do great things. And if you're not sort of tapping into that power and that energy, you're, it's a missed opportunity, right, Brad? Absolutely. Another thing that I would add to that, though, is that the consumer base is changing, right? Uh, younger people, thankfully, I believe, have... Uh, and we saw this when President Obama was elected, you know, more progressive belief systems. And, you know, the IAB, the National Trade Association for Digital Media and Marketing, right, they just released a disrupting brand preference study that shows that disruptor brand shoppers comprise of 48 percent of all U.S. consumers, right? And they're younger, right? And they're brand-only shoppers with 84% of them being under the age of 54. Oh, wow, right? really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they are this new consumer base, like almost 50%, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They basically, you know, are connecting, you know, th- this is a rising, uh, you know, cultural movement, so to speak, where – you know, consumers are voting with their 
uh, with their dollars, mm-hmm. they're focusing more on newer brands that are showing mm-hmm. uh, more progressive mm-hmm. political you know, branding messages. Very, very interesting stuff. Brad Grossman, thanks so much for joining us tonight. It was great to have you, as always, and I hope you'll join us again. Always. I love it. Thank you, Marcus. You're very welcome, sir. I appreciate your time and your wisdom. Listeners, if you're interested in keeping up with what's happening with Brad, you have to listen to it very carefully. Head to zeitguide.com. That's Z-E-I-T-G-U-I-D-E.com. Or you can follow him on Twitter at Brad Grow. That's at B-R-A-D-G-R-O. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Oh,